Hello, and welcome to episode 179 of SMARTS, which as we all know stands for... Sleepy Miss Appears Reluctant to Serve. Ah. <laughs> Correct. So my name is Rudiger Kupas- Podcaster, or pa- <laughs> pa- Pazcaster. Pazcaster? Possum? That's, that's the name of my new dog replacement. <laughs> Rudiger Kupazcaster. I thought it was your Santa Claus... Uh, character no that was Rudd- that's rudiger q claus caster oh that's good <laughs> aka trevor and Hi. your name is julia gulia of internet fame dash podcaster correct yes so should we move on to the news yes ready okay so there's only one bit of news this week this broke just after we recorded last week did i earn a million dollars no oh um okay what is so the news? in keeping with our trend of new star trek series being announced pretty much every week a new star trek series has been announced oh um Blanking on her name. Give me a second. Who plays Sing- Captain Jojo? Oh, um, Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh, that's right. Michelle Yeoh is set to star in a Philippa Giorgio spinoff from cool. Star Trek Discovery. Presumably, you know, spoilers for last season of Discovery, but presumably based on the Mirror Universe version of her. Presumably it won't be a flashback to Prime Giorgio before she died. It'll be Mirror Giorgio and her adventures mm-hmm. in the present. Which mm-hmm. is to say the in future. our universe. Which is to say the future. Y- yes, um, that's right. In our universe, either in post last season, um, either during situation. the yeah, either following the season of Discovery, like the season of Discovery, which she's appearing in, might set up her spinoff. That would be the obvious way to do it. Mm-hmm. And then her adventures will continue from there. That's so add awesome. this to the Captain Picard series, the Lower Decks animated series, the potential Starfleet Academy series, and the additional animated projects, including more short tracks that are also coming. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, that's exciting. So it's a full slate of Star Trek shows. So is it going to follow her, again, spoilers for last season, is it going to follow her in Section 31? Presumably, unless this season shows her leaving that and going off to do something else, in which case it would follow that. Do you think one of the episodes of Discovery that we're about to get is going to be like a soft pro... What do you, what do you call it? Not prototype. A backdoor pilot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, but I feel like the the days of having... A really that, obvious okay. backdoor pilot are kind of done. Now it'll just be, you know, she'll be part of a storyline this season and it will end her it will end her story for the show on a note that shows that she's, you know, off to have more adventures or whatever, and then this will pick that up. I don't think there'll be an episode with a completely new set of characters, including her, that then are transplanted, you know, in in their entirety over to some new show. Right. I don't think they're gonna do that. Um but yeah, I think it'll be just more of a yeah. You know, just a, a, a softer way of doing it. Yep. Yeah. So that's something we're getting presumably sometime next year. That's exciting. She's awesome and the writers of the show are awesome. So I'm looking forward to that too. Yay. And that's our only news. Wow. So what was your comic of the week? This week I picked Hawkman number eight because we saw um, Carter Hall's reincarnated or pre-incarnated version on Krypton before it blew up. And it was really cool to see him and have... A, uh, an incarnation of his former live not fight <laughs> and they were just having a chat basically about oh how's it going not bad you oh you know not bad but uh yeah the world's ending so there's that um that entire conversation between them was less silly than that obviously but it was it was so heartwarming and it was so um deep is a good word I, I just really enjoyed it, and I loved the art, and I loved the uh, relationship between them, and the most most of all, um, I love that it was written into the text that Carter Hall was curious about why he was teleported back to Krypton, 
when everything else, every other place that he had visited as a relic from his former life had led him to an object that he needed to face his oncoming threat, which he now isn't which he now knows is the Deathbringers. The threat of the Deathbringers is coming back, and um, he has to prepare for that battle. And what he found from Carter was not... Sorry, Cater Ole, which is yeah. great. Um, what he found from his Kryptonian self was nothing tangible. It was simply the knowledge that he himself is the weapon that will bring them down. And that... The true weapon against the death right. is the friends you made along the way. Exactly. I know. <laughs> so so that, that, I mean, I'm a sucker for those types of stories when they're written well. And this one was. And the art, again, was stunning. And the little moments, like, when they sort of touched hands um, to sort of, like, a weird handshake. But it kept um, the Kryptonian Katar's um, self from exploding with the planet and he saw long enough to see that yes the planet itself was in ruins but that there was a future that was taking place and there was hope therefore for that to take place and obviously they interjected a few superman and supergirl references which was pretty awesome yeah and the two-page spread of krypton krypton's history and culture where you saw nightwing and flamebird and doomsday and zod and brainiac and candor and all sorts mm -hmm. of other little references and nods I enjoy that and of course it makes perfect sense that someone um as you know in most incarnations he is you know a, a historian or an archaeologist or whatever right. like a man of learning it makes sense that he would at least know or know of jor-el mm -hmm. or zor-el and right. had, i'm it's a it's a little and much a that, teacher. it's he a little a much that he was like literally Kara's mentor and all that like that's right. a that's a little on the nose but you know that's it's that's just the way it is is that any anytime anybody has anything to do with krypton it's always like oh of course jor-el he's my best friend or you know like everybody yeah, yeah. It seems like everybody knew jor-el or was Related to Jor-El or was an animal sent into space by Jor-El, you know? Yeah, so. that old chestnut. <laughs> um, but anyway, at any rate, even though there were a couple pieces uh, like that that made me go, oh, come on. Um, it was it was a really great issue and I really enjoyed it and that's why it's my comic of the week. Mm -hmm. What did you pick? So I picked Superman number seven. Dun, 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 dun. Um, this was a great issue. So um, John Kent returns from space yes. and he is like 17 now and this whole issue is about him. Um, seeing his parents for the first time and for him like six seven years six i guess seven years yeah um and his parents reactions to having missed that much of his life with his huge which is huge they've missed almost half of his life yeah and teenage um, teenage I, formative years you know yeah and finding out what happened to him in space i like the whole sequence of him and lois and jor-el um arriving on that planet i'm not sure what planet it was or if it matters but she's wearing the you know superman's superman reborn costume which she took into space with her, and that's why Superman had to go back to wearing his old outfit with the trunks was the in-story justification for it. So she's wearing that. So they're all, or at least the two the two of them, I'm not sure if Jor-El, I think Jor-El probably had the S-Shield on his outfit somewhere. But they're wearing that, and they get to this planet, and she can't figure out why everyone's looking at her that way. Mm -hmm. And, and Jor-El's like, you're wearing, you know, you're part of the the house of Superman. You're you're basically royalty. You know, anywhere mm -hmm. you go in this galaxy, people are going to be in awe, awe of you because Superman is saved every single one of these planets 20 times, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I like, the, I like that. I like the way, you know, she was overwhelmed by it. Mm -hmm. um, and she, did you think, I, I thought it was in character for her to, to go, to choose to go back to Earth. 
because she had no reason to believe that John wouldn't be safe. And moreover, she could see all the ways that she would be a liability to them, you know, because she yes. was super vulnerable. Like the ship got attacked by, was it Dominators? Yeah, it the was. The ship got attacked by Dominators. And, and she had to stay inside and, and yeah, sort she, of hide. She was not only not a help, but it could have easily gone the way where she would, they would have gotten themselves hurt or killed trying to worry about her and keep her alive, where they could just go into space and fight these guys. Right. They had to worry about, you know, exactly. everything else. So she's like, oh, he'll be okay. And she goes back. And of course, I mean... That seemingly was a mistake because they missed it. John somehow got separated. Either either he chose to leave. We don't really know. He says, "Oh, by the way, grand grand granddad is a monster." Basically, yeah, crazy. He um, says, that's when I got the first hint that granddad is out of so his mind. So either Jor-El abandoned him, or Jonathan fled from Jor-El, or mm-hmm. they got separated, or something. But it took him seven years to get back to Earth, and so he had, presumably had to go through a lot. He's got this big scar on his cheek, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so Lois I didn't even is, notice the scar. I Lois have done. Is, is obviously going to feel guilty about not just having missed that much of his life, but having left him to a situation where he had to fend mm-hmm. for himself and undergo such hardship. So she's going to feel guilty about this. Um, you know, Superman just feels horrible, obviously, that he missed so much of his son's life. Plus, he would feel responsible for letting him go in the first place when he wasn't really too thrilled with the idea. Like, he's like, oh, I should have... I should have mm-hmm. trusted my instincts and not let you go. Plus, there's a whole thing about now where they're going to have to go find Jor-El and stop him if he has some crazy plan that he's doing right. or whatever. Seems like they, they do because that, that's – it felt like that's what it's leading up to exactly. Yeah. So it set up a lot of interesting – I mean, I would I would read – and maybe this is a plan. Maybe Bendis is going to do it himself or hand it off to one of his collaborators like a – a four or six issue miniseries of John's adventures in space trying to get back to Earth, like one issue set every year or something, showing everything you had to go through to get back. Like this, you know, you can yeah. do all sorts of stories like that. Anytime you interject a huge gap into a character's life, there's always the potential for like lost years yes, stories to, exactly. to, to be told. So it sets up a lot of interesting story possibilities, but it's really it was really well done emotionally too, where you see Lois and Clark, just they, they're their despair at having missed so much of their son's life and not being able to relate to him in the same way because they don't know what he's gone through and they don't know what he's seen and all this stuff. So, um, But I am glad he's still seen... I mean, there could potentially be another shoe to drop if he's like only pretending to still be the same right. guy. Like it's, it's possible he's harboring some dark intentions or something, but I hope they don't do that. I do like that... By all appearances, he's still the same good kid. Yeah. Just, you know, a little a little harder from having been out in space, but he's still... Mm-hmm. He still seems like the same good guy. Like he I'm glad they didn't, have, didn't bring him back and have him be like badass space rogue right. John, where he's like, oh, I know, you know everything. Yeah, you, know, I, you wouldn't believe the dark things I've had to do in the depths of space. Like yeah. you won't recognize me anymore, kind of thing. He, you know, he gives his dad a hug and he still calls him Pa and all this stuff. Like, yeah, it's, I'm, you know, his it, first line was, "Dad, don't freak out." <laughs> yeah, it would have been it would have been easy to write him as you know, a changed man in all these ways. I'm just wondering about the, the time melodrama. jump, the time difference between them, because it took him seven years that he lived the whole time. Um, he didn't, you know, get tossed into the future or this is an incarnation from the future or anything. No, he's he's back as soon as he could, but time passed differently outside than it did inside. Yeah, Earth. it could just be, it could be, a, it could be a relativity thing or it could be something to do with, you know, maybe he got thrown back in time at one point or... Or there yeah, could but be that's like a the different weird dimension. thing is that relativity, uh, the theory of relativity works He would have stayed the, the same way. and everybody else would have aged. Exactly. Yeah. Well, obviously there's a story in there somewhere. Yeah. We just don't know what it is yet. Yeah. Because they, they hung a lantern on it by highlighting the fact that it's been only just a few weeks. It's mm-hmm. been two weeks for three for Superman, yep. but it's been seven years for him. So, yep. yeah, but I really enjoyed it because it had the, it set up a lot of interesting story possibilities and it had a lot of, a lot of heart to it too. Yeah, I agree. So should we move on to your pop quiz? Ready. Okay, so this week, because we just watched the movie, I'm going to quiz you about Death of Superman, oh. but the version of Death of Superman from the comics. Uh, oh, 
Well, wait a minute. Well, I didn't st- well, wait a minute. I didn't study that material. I studied the movie that I watched with you. <laughs> so this will be interesting. But then why are you quizzing me on stuff that I didn't read? Ah, uh, you know some of the stuff. All right. Okay. <laughs> and we've talked about almost all these things, or you've seen other people talk about I've been exposed to it. Things. Okay, so it's fair all right. game. All right. Number one. Mm-hmm. What supporting character suffers a heart attack during the storyline? Was it Jonathan Kent, Martha Kent, Perry White, or Emile Hamilton? Who did? Well, I don't know who Emile Hamilton is. You don't know Professor Hamilton? He's in all the Superman stuff. Oh, He was in the cartoons. Sure, sure, he was sure. in... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um, you said Emile, not Doctor. <laughs> Hamilton, comma, Doctor. I think it was um, Perry. No, it was Jonathan Kent. Oh, it was. That was my other guess. Mm. So this is the one where he dies? No, he didn't die. He he uh, had a severe heart attack and he had like this out-of-body experience where he was like passing on to the afterlife. But he this was after Superman had died, like oh. shortly after, like in his grief, oh. he had a heart attack. Uh-huh. And so he was moving on to, like towards the light or whatever and he saw his son's spirit there and his son was going the same way he was and Jonathan's spirit like convinced Superman to to go back because he was still needed. Oh. And then they so they went back together. And so when Jonathan woke up from his heart attack, he was at peace because he knew like whether it had really happened or not, yeah. he knew that he had somehow guided his son back to the living world. Oh, so it was, it was a really nice so story. I think cool. it was was that Adventures of Superman number five hundred. I it was like an anniversary <laughs> issue, and I remember it had like this. This was back when they did all sorts of variant covers. It had like this lenticular holographic cover. You know the silver silver thing where depending on how you tilt oh, it, yeah. it shows different images. Yeah. So it showed like the Superman, you know, and moving towards heaven kind of thing. What was that SAT word again? Lenticular. I don't know what it means. I just you would read about it all the time. <laughs> I called lentic featuring it len, limited edition lenticular, lenticular cover. cover. It's okay. a technology that the printing technology they use or whatever or the scientific theory behind how it can reflect light in different ways and show you different images. That's cool. All right, number two. Yes. Which character is not a member of the Justice League during the storyline? Blue Beetle, Maxima, Captain Atom, or Bloodwind? Blue Beetle. No, Captain Atom. Okay. Right. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> well, my guess is, in this case, probably much better than yours. <laughs> Okay, number three. Uh-huh. Supergirl is romantically involved with which character during this storyline? Superboy, Jimmy Olsen, Guardian, or Lex Luthor? Ew. Just ew. Why Lex? No. Um, no. Mm, Guardian? No, it was Lex Luthor. Ew. No. No. But it was young, hot, bearded, no. redhead Australian Lex Luthor. No. Look at my face. No. It was it was supposed to be creepy. DC. Bad DC. No. Well, it was I mean their ages were closer and because he was like the young cloned son of Lex Luthor and he was everybody thought he was a good guy because this was his, you know, that was the front he was putting up. So she thought she was giving this guy a chance and he was like a young dashing red flowing hair from Australia, you know. It's hard to resist. All right. <laughs> Number 4. Uh-huh. What villain teams up with the cyborg Superman to destroy Coast City? Was it Darkseid, Mongol, Brainiac, or Lex Luthor? Brainiac. No, it was Mongol. Well, that was my second guess. All right. Uh-huh. Number five. Yes. Doomsday's origins are revealed to involve his creation on what planet? Krypton, Apocalypse, Earth, or Daxum? In the comics? Yes. Krypton. Yes, that's right. Yay! All right, number six. What U.S. president attends Superman's funeral? Ooh. 
Was it Ronald Reagan, George Bush, Bill Clinton, or George W. Bush? What? Um, George Bush. No, it was Bill Clinton. Oh, okay. Because that's he was president in the mid nineties when the story happened. Yeah, I know. I was taking a guess. So you got one. One. Yes. I got one. You got the Krypton one. Uno, the Krypton. That's pretty bad. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to our shows. <laughs> okay. So this week we're talking about Star Wars Resistance, Star Trek Discovery, Gotham, Supergirl, Flash, and Young Justice. Spoilers here. You be warned. Yes. So Star Wars Resistance, um, this was a fun one. So Kaz has to look after the, uh, the shop and gets embroiled in someone trying to steal some parts and he stows aboard on their ship and blows it up. As and is, sneaks as back one on. does, as one does. Teams up with Bitey, sensational character find of 2019, <laughs> Bitey. Um, yeah, not a lot to say about it. It was another fun. I do like how the, and I, you know, saw this in the review that I watched too, and I agree that the last couple of episodes have really shown that Kaz is becoming more um, skilled, mm-hmm. and more self-reliant, and and better equips himself. Like we show, they show at the beginning that even though he makes, you know, rookie mistakes occasionally, he's become a much more competent mechanic. Mm-hmm. And here he's able to take care of this threat of multiple um, first order stormtroopers and this skeevy. Junk, junk thief guy, um, parts thief guy, by himself, admittedly yeah. with the help of sensational Bitey. character find of 2019, Bitey. <laughs> um, whereas before he would have needed Poe to come in and save yeah. him or Niku and whoever else from the Colossus to help him out or he would have gone to Yeager for help. He's able to deal with all this himself. So, I mean, obviously they're setting us up for the whole thing where we catch up to The Force Awakens and Starkiller Base is active and blows up the New Republic and now everybody, we've shown this in the trailers too, and now, it, you know, every, everything goes to hell, and they show Kaz in the trailer, and he's like scruffier, like his hair isn't combed back it's anymore. Scars. It's like, that's the minimum amount of work you can do to a CG model to make it clear that the character has fallen on hard times, is just comb his hair differently. Because huh. they're not going to, like, give him a stubble or whatever, because, like, that would be too much animation. Um, so, yeah, so it's, yeah, I know how much, I, I wonder when that fall is going to happen, though. Like, I think it's probably not going to be the season finale, because I showed so much of it in the trailer we watched. Yeah. I doubt that's the last episode of the season. So maybe in two or three episodes, and then we'll have like another four or five to f- deal with the fallout of that yep. before the end of the season. That'd be my guess. You have anything else to say about this one? I just had fun. I I don't know. I'm really enjoying the show. And like you said, I'm just echoing what you said is that one of my favorite parts about where the show is going is that he's growing up. You know, he's still himself, but he's more competent. Yeah. And there's like, it's not like, a Mary Sue situation where suddenly like he slept on the right series of books and osmosis took hold and now he's miraculously wonderful at all the things. And that's not, that's not true, but there are improvements and that's really nice. It's hard to write, but it's um, easy to screw up. And this this was not that case. It was great. I like the show. Mm -hmm. And then we had the season premiere of Star Trek Discovery. Hooray! Second season premiere. This was, I thought this was a great premiere. Tremendous. People seem to like it too, generally. It seems to have been well received. People like the so, more adventurous, um, lighter tone, I would say, compared to that. Because you remember how it started last season. I mean, I there don't were know different. I want to say it's completely lighter tone, given that you well, know, we had I mean, a whole big crash. The, the two part premiere. Captain Mansplainer there. Well, the two part, yeah, but people die. I mean, people died. Red shirts died in the original series all the time. That yeah. was like the lightest of all Star Treks, probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, remember the two part 
pilot where Giorgio is brutally killed and this huge war is set off and there's betrayal and mutiny and massive deaths and intergalactic war. This time it's like, oh, there's this interesting scientific mystery. Let's go go explore it because we're explorers, you know? Yep. So that was a lot of fun. Um, We only met one new... So, you know, the the cast is back and we've only met one new character so far and that's Ensign Mauda's Captain Pike. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was great. I thought he was yeah. fantastic. I yeah. mean, I, the trailers made made it look like he was going to do a good job, but all I had to base him on was um, his role in Inhumans, and he mm-hmm. really wasn't very well served by that show because he was just being told just to scowl written. and all the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe if you were like an Oscar-winning actor, you could have made more out of that role, but it, they really didn't give anybody There's much to work with authority. in that one. No, I, hold on. If you jump back to the... I'm remembering he... Like the only bit of range that they gave him on that show, besides be scowly and then be more scowly and then be angry scowly, is when he went to, when he first arrived in Hawaii and he needed to get clothes, but he didn't understand that you have to buy them. And so he had to ask for, do you remember this? I remember that, but that was just so by the numbers, wacky, fish out of water. But he did it well. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I know, but it's just like. (laughs) I know, no, it was poor writing, but it was, you know, I'm just saying he was good in it, but. Um, but he was great here, and they gave him some great, some great dial. Yeah. I don't know exactly how well it lines up with the um, Jeffrey Hunter Pike from the Cage, who always seemed like really serious and almost haunted in a, in an interesting way, as opposed to the more lighthearted, um, adventurous version, Kirk that they replaced him with. We were talking about this um, off off mic as well, but I I think what you think, which is this, must be a version between that pilot and now. Um, there there must have been that's, some time to pass. That's the best way to make like the character arc his, line up, yeah. Right. It feels like he dealt with those demons. I, I've been meaning to search and to see if anybody involved with the show has said definitively, because I know that I don't even know amongst the fandom, this is something I should know, but I don't even know amongst the fandom if the cage as, well, not aired, because it never really aired, but the cage as as you view it now mm-hmm. is considered to be canon, because oh. it never aired, right? It's the unaired pilot, right? Yeah, that's true. And later they revisited it, via like testimony yes. in the menagerie yes yes so that canonized parts of it but i wonder if the entire episode as written and as you can sit down and view it right now is considered to be canon or if the fact that they wore those brown turtleneck uniforms and all this other stuff like that's not really considered to be canon anymore maybe right. like i don't know and so if that's the case and they can then really the only pike stuff they have to work into is the bits of him we see in that testimony and his later appearance is like zombie guy in the motorized wheelchair right right so they've, they've got more freedom i don't even know if the cage is fully considered canon or not and if it is whether this is whether there's anything the writers have said about whether this is supposed to be before or after it like you say it would make more sense for it to be after because he's sort of lightened up a little bit after the war perhaps they do do a good job of they do answer a few questions that the fans were asking like where was the enterprise during the war why was it never mentioned um, why do they have different uniforms? And they sort of have a little fun with that. Like, oh, the, you know, Enterprise, right, different budgets en- or Enterprise is impressed with how crazy futuristic everything looks on Discovery because, of course, it was mm-hmm. a ship that was designed 50 years after the original Enterprise was designed from our sure. perspective, right, yep. from a modern production perspective. Um, but the people on the Discovery, like, or at least are bemused by the colorful uniforms that apparently the Enterprise gets before anybody else, which is not really how new uniform rollouts and military organizations work. They don't, like, give some yeah. people, like, use it as a focus group. Like, let's see how the Enterprise people like the new uniforms, and maybe yeah. we'll give them to everybody else. I don't think that's what the Navy is doing, you know. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I thought it was fun. That the, it's an interesting mystery about these seven red lights throughout the galaxy. Mm-hmm. I do wonder, though, based on what we know about 
how much of the galaxy has been explored at this point in time. They're not going to be able to get to all seven. It's not like they're going to be able to get to the gamma quadrant or the delta quadrant and investigate those. Because we know that, mm-hmm. you know, that they don't have that capability yet. They don't have a caretaker or a Bajoran wormhole to get themselves to those other two quadrants. So they're going to be able to investigate like two or three maybe in the alpha and beta quadrants. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this interesting, like, and Burnham is trapped on. So we meet, um, was it Jet Reno, who's people are speculating right. is going to be like the new chief engineer type. And I was seeing people say that she's sort of like an interesting sort of McCoy, Pulaski, like crotchety but hard in the right place kind of person. You yeah. know, like older than the rest of the cast, kind of crotchety. But she does it so well. Yeah, she has more of a dry... Pulaski had a certain, um, I don't Sass? know, stiff upper lip kind yeah. of... Um, breeding to her and McCoy had like a down home country doctor thing to him yeah. whereas she's just sort of sort of wry and cynical but she's uh, yeah, yeah yeah so um for those of you who are in the into comedy stand-up comedy it's um a comedian by the name of Tig Notaro that that um did this character and I think she geeked out like a million times when she was asked to play this role I don't know how she got it but that's awesome um but she was so perfect in this. I was really, really just dumbfoundedly struck because, like, you believe that this character had been staying there for, what was it, 10 months on the rock? Because that's how long they were missing. Yeah, nine or 10 months, yeah. Um, and so she'd been taking care of these basically comatose patients who needed a lot of care and could not be moved. And <laughs> the line that really got me was when when she was told that, you know, the the trajectory of the ship and the um, rock that they were embedded in was on a trajectory to disintegrate in the sun. And she goes, oh, thank goodness, because I thought there was some... uh, I thought for a moment we were in danger. (laughs) She's so funny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But no, I just... One of my favorite moments was that that one. So Burnham sees sees this red angel, you know, when she's she's kind of like half concussed or whatever, and then Pike runs out of the smoke to save her and like, oh, maybe she was just, you know, seeing things or whatever. But we know from the trailers and they even inserted it into the opening credits, this red angel image. So that's like... That seems to be the story arc. Yeah, that's the MacGuffin of some kind. The the thing that people see when they see the lights up close or whether it's like maybe they're the ones creating the lights or Mm -hmm. they're, I don't, who knows what all this is about. Um, and they sort of dance around the Spock thing for a while. They show him in flashbacks. They show Michael being brought to Sarek's house and how Spock was kind of a jerk. A little as bitty all, baby boy. As most yeah. Vulcans are jerks to pretty much any, any, no, any non-Vulcan. Um, and, uh, and then in the present, we see her go to Spock's quarters on the Enterprise and he's left a voice log and data that indicates that he has left the Enterprise to pursue the same mystery that they're now undertaking so obviously and you know he's all over the trailers because they want to promote the fact that sure bearded spock is on the show so we know they're going to run into him before too long and he'll have adventures with him but yeah it it raises a lot i mean and people say this too and i think it's definitely true this is obviously the most beautifully just from a visual perspective like not just the quality of the special effects but the cinematography and the set design and everything else this is the best star trek has looked maybe maybe ever i would put this up against the recent jj abrams Abrams movies movies. yeah which have a very different aesthetic but i feel like this i feel even the special effects are right up there with those i agree but even just from like a set design and a shot composition and directorial Mm -hmm. and this is one of the shows we watch that's actually in like a two to one aspect ratio have you noticed that it's doctor who this season was the same thing it's even wider than regular 16 by 9 widescreen it it gives it even more of like a cinematic oh no i did um, not flair that makes sense it feels like it needs to be wide it's not super wide like cinemascope like the star wars movies are but it's like halfway between that and the 
16 by 9 that like all TV shows are these days, for, for example, like the CW yeah. shows or Young Justice. Or yeah, it's funny because 16 by 9 used to be the film standard and 4 by 3 used to be for TV. Well, not always. I mean, well, yes, obviously 4 by 3 used to be TV, but even going back decades, there were movies, theatrically released movies that would be really wide cinema scope. I mean, that, Star yeah, Wars was 77, but even going back to like Ben-Hur or whatever, those were the yeah, super widescreen also. Yeah, but so those were still, like the blockbuster level. Most of it was 16 by 9. Yeah, but I, most of the Mar- Marvel movies are, are wider than normal wide anyway yeah now yeah. i'm saying that it's been updated yeah. in the last few um years. so yeah so i really i thought it was a really good kickoff to the season it's fun seeing all the characters again mm-hmm. i mean we don't know again what's going on with every single character but everybody we saw a touch base with everybody what's going on with stamets we see a little bit of culber yep. and wilson cruz is in the opening credits so yeah. i don't know how they're gonna do it but it seems like they're bringing uh bringing culber back somehow as sort of everybody hoped that they would after his brutal death last season yeah that was oof. I don't know how they're going to do it. I hope it's not just, oh, here's Mirror Culber, and he happens to also be, be also guy. in love with, you yeah. know, like, because uh, it wouldn't be the same person. No. Like, I think they're smart enough to know that. So yeah. hopefully they'll do something a little smarter than that. I don't know why. I think for now, he's going to continue, like, seeing him in those voice Well, sure. That's that how they, they get doing. away with having, yeah. that's how they w- get away with, like, the, the less attentive viewers. Like, oh, he's in the credits, and oh, it must just be because he's because in the Because of this scene. It's like yeah. I could come up with a million, like, when they had the thing where Buffy sent Angel to hell, but David Boreanaz was still in the credits, they got away with it by having her, like, have dreams about him for a few episodes. Right. Or in the recent season of Supergirl, where, where Monel had to leave Earth because of the lead. Right. But he was still in the credits. Well, well, she would have she would have a dream about him or a memory every couple of episodes, so they could justify having the having Chris would still be a regular on the show until, right. of course, the character comes back for real after yeah. five or six episodes. So I imagine it's something similar happening here. Um, so we had more episodes of Gotham. So we've watched two yes. since last time. Yes. I continue to enjoy. I mean, there's there's sort of the usual Gotham sort of weird. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, well, yeah, but there's obviously that, but I don't know. Like sometimes, like the episodes just go off in weird directions sometimes, and I feel like they're not quite as focused as they should be. But that's always been something that the show has done. But I am enjoying where the story is going. I really just feel like though at this point, why doesn't Gordon? I mean, when he's sitting there talking with after they kind of have their rapprochement by the end, and he's sitting there talking to Penguin. Obviously, he's not just going to put a bullet between his right. eyes. But when Penguin shows up with a bunch of armed yeah, people yeah. threatening to like kill or steal all of their people and resources, what? And Gordon has like a bullet in his gun. Why doesn't he just shoot him? Yeah, like it becomes it defies plausibility after a exactly. while. Exactly. That That's I was going to say the exact same thing. You just got to it first. I feel the same way. Like every every time. I feel sometimes the, that Gordon Or in the has... premiere, why did he just shoot his leg? Why yeah. didn't he shoot him in the face? Yeah. Like, he does it with other criminals. He kills them all the time. I know. It's just because Gordon Penguin's a main character and we know he has to survive. So right. it, it does strain it's credibility so a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Bruce and Selina stuff is interesting. Selina's obviously undergone some sort of um, Batman Return style transformation into like some sort of part cat thing maybe because she had like the feline eye thing going yeah, on at the was, end of the yeah. last episode and her personality has obviously become a bit more aggressive mm-hmm. um and we get like basically they don't use the name i'm not sure they're allowed to use the name but we basically get as as a as fully realized version of harley quinn as i think we're ever going to get on this show yeah i um, actually can i how did you feel about her because I'm i thought her look i thought her look was kind of cool i i saw what the actress was going for with the performance but it never really felt it never really cohered into a, a character for me it just felt like a series of of bizarre choices and ticks more than yeah. a fully realized version of harley quinn and a lot of versions of harley quinn feel that way for me as much as i as much as i love tara strong as an actress mm-hmm. i loved her batgirl her raven a million other characters she's played when she plays harley quinn like in the recent suicide squad animated mm-hmm. movie we watched i just feel like 
it's her being wacky more than I feel like it's a character, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Arlene Sorkin's Harley Quinn felt like a character. I wasn't thrilled with the um, Batman and Harley Quinn animated movie that the the woman from Big Bang Theory, Melissa Rouch, oh, was right. that her name? Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't thrilled with her voice. It didn't sound like Harley Quinn to me and the accent was a little weird, but at least it felt like, it felt like that felt like a character to me. Mm-hmm. It was just a different version of Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Harley Quinn seems like a character that's that's hard to write and act in a way that she doesn't just feel like a bizarre fourth wall breaking generic crazy lady who yeah. just happens to be wearing Harley like right. Harley Quinn or playing card themed costumes and yeah. makeup, you know? And I felt like this was kind of the same. But I don't know, maybe maybe it'll It didn't work for me. And I'm trying to decide if it was the acting, the writing, or a combination. I, I was not a fan of the costume. I didn't really like it. I thought her the costume look. was kinda cool. Like in the way that it looked like like really desaturated and and had like the colors were all in the right place, but they were like streaks and like splashes of color as opposed yeah. to being like solid black here, solid red here, solid white here. I thought it kinda looked like an appropriate got like if the actual Bruce Timm designed Harley Quinn from the cartoon stepped onto the show looking like that, she would be so out of place because that's not the aesthetic of the show. Yeah, this of is course, at least yeah. in line with the aesthetic of the show. But I feel like in the in the way that um that Cameron Monaghan has been able to make this version of Joker, if we're gonna call him that, right. feel like a very different version of the Joker, but still a, a, a fully realized character. Right. Um and of course he's had years of building up to it via, you know, first Jerome and then Jeremiah right. and so on, but it's all kind of of a piece. Maybe if this version had been similarly built up to instead of just appearing out of the blue one day, yeah. it would have felt, but it just felt kind of random. I think that's the other thing. Like it kind of gets you off on the wrong foot. Like, oh, I guess she's here in this show now. Yeah. I mean, it kind of like we talked about before, she was originally introduced into the comics. Of course, she was created for the cartoon, but when they decided to introduce her in the comics, that happened during the No Man's Land storyline. So it is kind of appropriate that she just shows up here because that's the way it was in the comics. It's just, oh, Harley Quinn's in the comics now, and it happened yeah. during hey, No Man's Land. Yeah. But at least there they had like a Harley Quinn one shot that showed like her origin and what she'd been up to and established her here. Whereas here she just shows up. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. But um, I do like Bruce and Selena going off on their little adventure together. And they fight some gangs, and the mutant leader is there for some mm-hmm. reason. Look like he stepped, looking like he stepped right out of the Frank Miller comics with yeah, his pointed real. teeth and his little Cyclops visor yep. and the spikes on his head and whatever else. Um, I feel like they're just getting out all the references yeah. that they could. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they also had like some version of the Joker's gang. Like if Jeremy, well, I guess that's kind of what this re- this sure. cult is that they showed up at the end, right? Although they don't really look or act like it. But yeah, they're just. I think they're getting out all of their. They're just mm-hmm. throwing it all against the wall. Like, this is where everything's going to go crazy, and we'll throw in as much stuff as we can. And Yeah. We're also supposed to get, like, the ventriloquist and orphan this season, I think. Like, there's a whole really? bunch of other... Maybe wow. Did they talk about Croc, too? I can't even remember. Like, I think there's other characters supposed to be, supposed to be getting that we haven't really even seen yet. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the season, but I think it, I think if this had been like a 25 episode season like this, I think it might've felt like a little much, but 10 or 12 episodes were already like a quarter of the way through it. That feels like an appropriate length for this sort of steer- serialized storyline, you know? I don't know if you're if you're looking. Well, it depends on how you want to tell any good stories about the ventriloquist, like you said. Or I mean, it, oh, there's so much material there. Or um, well, you know what it's going to be though. They're going to show up for like one episode, and they're. You I know, know what, what I mean. Like, be, they're but they're not going to. They don't That's have time to do a full origin story over multiple years, like they did no. for Riddler, or, or even like Mr. You Freeze. You don't even over have to have episodes. an origin story. I mean, the first introduction of, um, of ventriloquist, the ventriloquist doesn't even have an origin story no. anyway. He just, he's just a person with just multiple personalities. Multiple personalities and yeah, um, but I don't know. There's a lot of opportunity there. It's it's pretty interesting, and it'll be fun to see where it goes. So wait, where are you placing your chips? Will 
uh, David Masseuse get to wear the Batman costume or won't he? What's your What's your smart take? Um, my I'm thinking no. I think they will do something similar to what they did, like kind of on Titans recently, where there was a guy in a suit, and it might be David Masseuse, but they're not really going to show show a lot of it. You'll just see it in like as shadows and mm-hmm. as silhouettes and stuff like that. Like the they showed the behind the scenes photos from the guy that was wearing the suit in Titans and it was like a stunt guy who was wearing a suit that didn't even look like a full Batman suit it just looked like enough enough for the shots they wanted you know because it costs a lot of money to assemble one of those full suits and make it like film quality so I think that they'll have some sort of costume kind of that they'll make up and he'll he'll get to wear it but I don't think we're going to see like a full glory shot of him in a full costume like from the front you know, I don't think we're going to get to see that. I think they might do something similar to what they did in sm- the final episode of Smallville, where you never see Tom Welling in the full suit, but you see like flashes of it and shots at a distance and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. There it was, it wasn't so much a, a question of they didn't have the time or the money to shoot it. It was more of like a, a weird creative decision that I don't really agree with. Like Tom Welling had this whole thing where in his mind he was playing Clark Kent, not Superman. And so he was very adamant that he never ha- have to put on... That, that we never see him, Tom Welling, in a full Superman suit. Mm-hmm. So the closest they got was some, um, they showed like, the ver- they actually had the Superman Returns costume, the one that Brandon Routh wore. That's how they could afford to have like a a, um, a full high quality version of the suit. That's the one you saw when like Jonathan hands him the suit in the fortress. Like that's why it looks so good. And then they have a bunch of c- sort of mediocre early 2000s CG shots from a distance that didn't really, probably don't hold up very well. And then the shot at the end where he pulls his, shirt open to reveal it yep. that was like he was like wearing a like a, a green a, screen a, not a green screen but like he was wearing like motion capture or whatever stuff underneath that so then they could just superimpose the superman shield on that like that's mm-hmm. that was how far they took it like he didn't even want to wear the shirt underneath his shirt so i don't know i don't think they're going to go that far for for production reasons but i'm not sure we'll ever get to see because i'm not even sure it would work because he still even though he's aged he still has a very like baby face look about him you know i'm not mm-hmm. sure if you put him in a suit and that like you just see his his eyes and his chin yeah it's just gonna look like a kid wearing his dad's yeah pajamas <laughs> or something like he's like he does not have the yeah. the facial structure necessarily to wear a costume like that and and sell it as batman it would look like batboy or something so i think they'll right. they'll shoot around it in a way but i think we'll see a costume he'll be the one wearing it on set but we won't get like the kind of glory shot that mm-hmm. that maybe we feel like we deserve after 5 years but not not because they don't want to give it to us but just because i don't really he's... think it's designed that way yeah um so... i don't think he's aged into it yet I'm not sure he ever will. Like I just, I, they cast him because I mean he's he's a good he's a good actor, but they didn't cast him for the jawline he will have in five years. They cast right, him because years, he was the best yeah. kid for the part at the time. Yeah. Like, they they got they got lucky with like Tom Welling on Smallville, where they cast like an 18, 19 year old, and ten years later he looks like Superman. But they yeah. could have easily gone badly because sometimes I mean you're probably safe if you're casting an 18 or 19 year old because yeah. they're not going to look that different. But you cast like a 12 year old, yeah, who knows how what they're going to look like ten years later, like. And he hasn't, I mean, he's he's done, he's in good shape, obviously, but it's not like he's even gone to a lot of trouble to make himself look really ripped or whatever this season. Right. Like, he still re- looks really wiry underneath his clothes. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure, like, it'd have to be like 90% padding then. I think it would just look weird. Yeah. Um, so Supergirl and Flash are back. Yep. This was an interesting episode of Supergirl. Um, I guess the main thing to talk about is the whole thing at the end where John has to mind wipe. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they at least said everybody gave the permission Although yeah. I'm a little unsure if in reality all of those people would be super on board with getting mind wiped 
just to protect like i get it they're loyal to her because she saved their lives and she protects the earth and everything but you think there'd be one guy who's like uh, i'd really rather not be mind wiped you know can i just quit or something like is that an option well i mean yeah but i guess but the fact that everybody went along with it was almost felt a little too raw raw team tv trope as opposed to well they're extras it's not like you want to give a whole lot of thought or story well, to people that don't ultimately... what i thought was going to happen was because because they they mind wipe um what's her name there fascist lady Haley. Um, Haley. Um, I think the Is actress. Her name Colonel. Yes, that's it. <laughs> just like just like Hamilton, comma yeah, doctor. Yes. It's Haley, mm-hmm. comma Colonel. Um, no, they gave her a name in this one. It was Lauren. You remember? They said Lauren Haley. Right. Um, no, I'm I think sorry. The act- I meant to ask what the- rank. <laughs> yeah, it's anyway. Cool. I think the actress is doing a good job. She's Agreed. just, she's, she's believable and she's like just human enough where you're like, yeah, I could kind of see where she's coming like from a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, so Jean mind wipes her and we're like, okay, this kind of felt like a necessary evil. But then when it comes up that they might have to mind wipe like a dozen fellow DEO agents, yeah. I thought Carl was going to say, no, I'm drawing the line here. Like, it's it, like whether, Maybe I shouldn't have even gone along with mind wiping Haley, but these are these are my my teammates, right? My fellow soldiers in arms. Yep. Even if they're saying they're okay with it, I'm not going. My my secret identity is not worth their their you know brain damage. Their, well, I, I trust John to be able to do it, but you're taking away a, a part of their lives that they experience. Yeah. You're taking away a section of their memories, and who knows what else has to go with that. Mm-hmm. Like if you found out Supergirl's secret identity on a, on a day that happened to be your daughter's fifth birthday, do you also forget what you did in your daughter's fifth birthday? Like how precise is it? Like right. I, I don't think she knows probably, right? Because mm-hmm. so I mean, I thought she was going to draw a line in the sand and say, no, my my secret identity, my life, my security, my freedom even is not worth violating even with their permission, mm-hmm. my friends in this way. Yeah. But. Instead, she went along with it and it was because they were okay with it. And like, okay. And then when it became clear they'd have to mind wipe Alex too, I really thought she was going to say, no, this is it. Like, yeah. I'm not going to let, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. not going to happen. And obviously they had multiple scenes. Like, I thought they sold it well. Multiple scenes where Alex Agreed. is like, no, it's not like I'm going to forget you. I'm just going to, I'm going to remember you, my sister. I'm just going to have like a, this mental barrier, like the one Brainy created for himself. I thought, by the way, that was setting up mm-hmm. Brainy to be able to come to Alex later and say, I can train you or even use my computer skills or whatever to hack your brain and create the same sort of bifurcation in your brain between Kara and Supergirl that I was able to create for myself naturally. Right. So Jean wouldn't have to mind wiper. But I guess it's a distinction without a difference. Then the result is the same anyway. So I'm not I sure wonder that really if uh, Jean can re that. That was my question. Like, can he can he put back? it back? I wanted them to. I wanted them to address that too. And the fact that they didn't maybe tells me that they're going to do that eventually. But they didn't want to tip their hand and make it clear to the audience that it's possible. Yeah. Because I mean, obviously Alex is going to find out that the same person again sooner or later, probably by the end of the season. The only question is whether when that happens or as a result of that happening, she'll be able to fully reintegrate her memories. And like, is Jean able to like store them like off board storage yeah, for a right. while? Like, yeah. like, I don't know, like it's within like, himself crazy make them up science. They sure. could do whatever they wanted. Yeah. They could have it that way. Um, but I really thought that there was, she was going to say no. And Kara mm-hmm. was going to say no and say, I'm not going to let you, it's not right. like anybody was forcing her. Everybody was volunteering. It was her choice, but I really thought that it would be kind of like, I don't know. Would you buy Superman? Like if a bunch of people found out Superman's identity, Mm-hmm. I, I don't buy him taking those memories away from people, even if they volunteered. Like he would, you know, I feel like it's just part of the risk you run when you're a superhero is that eventually you might get found out and that's just 
the way it goes, right? Like your secret is there to protect the people you care about, but protecting it is not worth harming the people you care about. Isn't it going to tip their hat if the last thing that the agents remember is that they all were... Got mind wiped? No, that they all walked out of um, Jean Jose's like office and director Carl, Carl Danvers was, right was there. there and um and Car- yeah but maybe Carl Jean does right a thing there. where they just they forget that too. like you know they, they walk, forget that too like the yeah. like the Men in Black thing where they don't remember that they you know that right, they wake yeah. up and Will mm-hmm. Smith is standing there with the thing point like he he tells them oh it turns out today you were at the dentist or whatever and right. they leave and they remember that they were at the dentist exactly you know? yeah I don't know how it works but I, I so it's an interesting. It's an interesting way to notch up, like, the ten- ratchet up the tension in yeah. this season. And, like, the stakes are getting higher and higher for her personally. And, of course, they're continuing to, to hammer the whole, you know, p- people, particularly those in the military and the government, not seeing aliens as real mm-hmm. people. And they're expendable and you can torture them and train them to be soldiers. And, you're, yeah. you know, and it's just they're expendable. And, you know, that's just that's obviously the theme they're going with this season and the whole Agent Liberty thing also. So, yeah. Um, so Flash, this one was fun. So we uh, Weather Witch, and then we get what did, did the what was it Silver or something? Oh, I what was forgot. the name they gave to the one who the woman ghost. with like the Silver Ghost? Yeah, yeah I don't know where that where that came. I mean, she's it was her code name in the military. No, I know that, but it's not even how is it applicable at all to what she does? Yeah, like the I car key she <laughs> has. If the car key she had were shiny silver or something, at least that'd be something, you right? Know? Like but she's, nothing. She's using like these silver keys to ghost people and steal their car, but no, it's like there's nothing. <laughs> Right? You could call That's her funny, like yeah. Gold Spectre or something and it would be just as like, it has as nothing related, to do with yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was fun and it's, you know, it, it was again sort of like a very truncated melodramatic. I think Space Key was taken. Yeah. CW-esque arc for like within an episode for Nora where she discovers that Thon was lying to her and therefore she stopped. She's like, no, I now I cannot trust anybody and nobody can change. And mm-hmm. then at the end of the episode, she learns that, yes, maybe some people can change. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was kind of predictable by the numbers. But it is interesting the way it was left that in Thon's cell, there's like this clock that's ticking down from 52 minutes. And when it's up, something bad happens to him or yeah. everybody, I guess. And so he's got to teach her something or get her to do something in that time or else something really bad happens and she's come to him to learn. Like, we've, there's a lot of questions, obviously, about that whole future scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing, too, is that he, I guess it doesn't really matter, but he doesn't look 30 years older. So it, he probably hasn't lived all of those 30 years. He's probably just on from some other point in the future. And mm-hmm. so he's like five years older biologically than the thon we saw or something. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's a lot else. There's a whole thing with Cisco and Caitlin now wanting to develop this Medicure. Yeah. Um, as seen in pretty much every X-Men story yes. or movie mm-hmm. from the past 10 years. Um, yeah, I, f- I feel like this is the kind of thing that's going to go horribly wrong. Yeah, but at least But at least they're hanging a lantern on it by saying this could go horribly wrong. Yeah. So let's at least work on it together. I'm not sure I fully buy Cisco's motivation here. Like at first, Agreed. he at first he thought his vibe powers were a curse because you know terrible headaches and seeing future visions and remembering that time that he died by Thon right. running his hand through his heart or whatever else. But I feel like he's much like you know Caitlin has come to embrace her Killer Frost persona that he kind of came to embrace, embrace the, the good that his powers could do. And I'm not sure I buy like he he loses his girlfriend and his hands get cut up and now all of a sudden he. He doesn't want to help people anymore. Right. I mean, it's not like he doesn't want to help people. He just doesn't want to help them as vibe. You know, right. I get it. But I, ca- nice I really that thought he that he'd integrated his yeah, different exactly. sides of himself a bit better than that by I appreciate now. the discussion. Like when he first lost control of his powers because his hands got cut up, um, 
that made sense to have a little bit of a story arc of what's my value now. Like I've gotten so used to this niche that yeah, I've carved it, for myself. Yeah. What's my value now? And to reconnect with his initial value as Cisco Ramon, master hacker, uh, genius boy wonder. Um, it was, yeah. it was nice to have that arc, but I think that this would have been the moment for him to really integrate as you said, the value and self sense of self-worth with that side of his persona and his vibe persona and yeah, to this, actually like be This able- happens sometimes on these shows where you can see, you, you see all the beats are there. It's like yeah, he, exactly. he likes his powers, yep. but then he gets injured. He has to go back to doing things without his powers, remembers how much he likes it. Mm-hmm. And now does, not only doesn't want his powers back anymore, wants to never be able to have them again and wants to be able to take, wants other people to be able to get rid of theirs too. It's like, I can see logically how that can follow, but to me, like that last step is just too far for his character in Agreed. particular. I don't, I didn't buy that he would go from, I don't want to have to use my powers anymore because I prefer just being a hacker guy to, I want to completely get rid of them so I can never use them again, even yeah. in emergencies. And I want other people, I want to introduce this new technology into the world that could be super abused mm-hmm. in any number it's of dynamite. ways. Like that's, it's, yeah. that's too far a character jump for him. Like I, I could buy other characters, other characters who are known for like, having like some version of Wells, for example, characters who are known for being too smart for their own good and having a lot of hubris or whatever, coming up with this idea and thinking it's a good idea Mm -hmm. to stop whatever villain of the week they're fighting. But for him, I just didn't buy it. Um, So Young Justice, we have three more episodes. So we're one week away from like the mid-season point here. Next week, we'll have four to talk about. Mm -hmm. So three episodes. So the first one was um, the whole history of Vandal Savage thing juxtaposed with the team training the new outsiders a little bit in sort of a fun way to cut back and forth the second one was the sort of funky one that sort of experimental storytelling where we had three three characters recounting adventures to other characters and then we discover at the end that all three cases were related moreover they were happening in reverse order Mm -hmm. and they all dovetail by the end because we discover that shade was like the link between the three yeah so we see you know we see shade committing a crime and then we see in a separate case someone breaking a guy out from a police transport and then the final no wait and no, in the middle one, we see Mad Hatter experimenting on someone. And yes. in the final one, we see someone breaking someone up from police transport. Exactly. And then we discover later, and apparently some people are saying, if you pay close attention to the timestamps, which the show always has, you know, like oh, yes. the time and location, mm-hmm. it gives away that you're seeing them in the reverse order. But I don't pay that. I look at the date maybe, but I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't retain it well I just use to like, say, hey, wait a I minute. I just use whether it's daylight or not as sort of a context clue for what time of day it is. I don't look at like, oh, this one happened at 5 p.m. This one happened at 4 p.m. And this mm-hmm. one, you know, but... In reverse order, you discover that they sprang this guy who was who had the metahuman gene. They experiment experiment on him to activate it, and then they send him off on this mission mm-hmm. at the beginning. Um, and then we find out at the end that all of these are related. Moreover, that the heroes involved in each one, even though they're from different factions within the hero community, are all working together in like this sort of conspiratorial way to circumvent the UN and monitor the situation and work like outside the the auspices and jurisdictions of their individual teams. And then the third episode. Um, juxtaposes like a, a superhero community play date, basically. Yes. Um, with uh, the team training, some, the, with Nightwing training the Outsiders a bit more and Lobo coming to town to uh, to kill Forager. Mm-hmm. So those are the three episodes. Um, and this, you know, there's so much to dig into. We obviously don't have a lot of time, but I, um, I don't know. There's so much crazy stuff. Like it, the amount of stuff we learn about Vandal Savage and the light and his his place in this whole universe and the nature of his the extent and nature of his agreement with dark side the fact that it goes back hundreds of years and they have this pact to basically work together to to bring earth 
to like raise because Vandal Savage doesn't want to see Earth destroyed. He right. wants to like protect it mm-hmm. and raise it up and make it like he wants to rule it, but he wants it to be like the most powerful of all worlds, basically. Right. And so his goals and Dark Sides are obviously an eventual Conflicts. conflict with each other. Yeah. But for the time being, it suits Dark Sides' purposes to, I guess, like use Earth as like an apocalypse farm team, basically, to like create metahumans there that then he can, because we see Calabac deploying what I'm assuming was an unwilling metahuman as like a bomb yep. to destroy that Starro-controlled alien invasion fleet. Mm-hmm. And even the Starro stuff, like we see that Vandal Savage and his son Naboo, which is mm-hmm. another crazy revelation, yeah. fought a Starro invasion hundreds of years ago, and one of the giant Starros fell into the water in the Arctic, which is, I guess, how they're able to find it a hundred year, hundreds of years later frozen, because right. Vandal Savage knew it was there. He's like, oh, this would be a good time to go grab that Starro. Yep. Like, just the, the level of stuff. And, and then, just, you know, thematically and from an emotional perspective, the idea that we have this older woman, uh, Olympia, mm-hmm. who's like, who who's transcribing, chronicling Vandal Savage's story and, and being super... Um, hyped about it it Mm -hmm. to Vandal Savage's daughter Cassandra who's right there and at the end we discover that Olympia is actually another of Vandal Savage's children Mm -hmm. but she's losing her faculties and so Vandal Savage kills her Um, that's not why he kills her it wasn't a mercy killing like that. I mean, he, well, she, Cassandra covered it up. The reason why it's so brilliant, this character, um, is because he kills her because he doesn't, Vandal Savage does not want any of his story to be recorded. Apparently, this is a nice thing because it tells us to pay attention to the stories that Olympia was trying to document and write down and pass down because there might be some things in there that hint to weaknesses in either Vandal Savage's plan or Vandal Savage himself. Or even just logistical details like the fact that he actually even, has an alliance with Darkseid is super important for the heroes right, to know and they have too. no idea. Yeah, exactly. But, she, but, I, but I disagree with you a little bit because I think it was both. I think that there, as, as, as presented explicitly, Vandal Savage is killing her because he can't trust her not to blab about his history or whatever or right. write it all down. But I think that in, in the performance... Um, and how gentle he was with her at the end there. Like he asked her, like you could hear the gentleness in the performance when he asked her, you know, why are you always asking mm-hmm. about the bear story? And so why is that your favorite story? I think that, I think there was an element in there in the, in the way it was written and performed and staged of, uh, from like a, obviously it's a dark thing to do to murder your fully Darn. grown child. But I think there was an element of, from his perspective, fatherly mercy in there because she was... You know, she was addled and losing control of her faculties. And I thought, I think from his perspective, not it was a necessity, yes, for practical purposes, like you said. But I think from his perspective, it was also a mercy. I think that's what he would say if you asked him, how could you do that? He would say, well, she was no longer In the same way the that same he person. views it as a mercy that he wants to be the world emperor I'm not, saying, I'm not saying I mean, I agree, that I'm not saying way. I agree with it, but but you're you're saying that his that it's cold heartedness. And I'm saying that it was a twisted sense of fatherly protection to like if like he she, wasn't protecting her he was protecting himself but i think it was both no. or, or well i i disagree i think that if you go back and re- i i'm not just getting this for myself i've heard other people say this too that one of the things i liked about that scene was that he was i mean whether he's deluding himself or not that he felt like he was doing it out of a sense of fatherly duty like it, it i like she is my child it's my responsibility to, to give her peace now before she completely loses herself because she's mm-hmm. getting progressive dementia. Or I mean, I think that's interesting that people are putting that transfer. I think that's interesting that uh, people were um, putting, transferring those sen- those feelings and sentiments into it because that's exactly what Cassandra, his younger daughter, had to face. She was shocked when uh, he killed Olympia because 
who would want to kill a gentle adult lady who wasn't doing anybody any harm? And he, she says, like, in kind of a, a stuttering sort of, let's cover this up, let's find a justification, let's make this okay, tone of voice. She was the one that said, this was a mercy, this was, you know, she was addled in the brain, and her m- mind hasn't right. been right in forever. I think, I think Savage, I, Savage felt that he was doing a mercy, but I don't think Cassandra quite bought it. I think she's trying to convince herself that it was necessary and that it was an act of love, but I don't think she buys it. I think that that was a mistake on Savage's part. I think now that he's planted the seed in his daughter, that just like Olympia was ultimately expendable and replaceable, she is too. And so I don't know whether that'll lead to some future storyline where she betrays him. It will. It's important. It's, but, but that's I think exactly that, what... I do think that if, if Vandal Savage wanted to kill someone purely out of practicality, he would do it in a much more... Um, cold, clinical, efficient fashion. He wouldn't speak to them softly, stroke their cheek, bring them close into practically an embrace and mm-hmm. then do it quick and painlessly. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? I feel like that was, an, in his mind, that was an act of fatherly responsibility. Yeah, and it was a very magnanimous sort of, I, I don't think he knows any other way to be. Well, sure, he's a brutal caveman. Right. Like, but to him, that's that's the best he can do Exactly, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, yeah. Um, and I think it was... <sighs> I I'm think it was it's, interesting it's a, that he asked Cassandra to arrange a proper, full of full honors burial sure. for. I'm his... just saying there was more empathy and 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 emotion involved there for him than say like Brainiac deleting a file that is no longer practically necessary. Like he he had he was he was bringing more to that scene than just oh I need yeah, to cross this thing off my ledger. It wasn't. It wasn't the prime motivation. That's what I'm saying. Prime motivation was covering his. Would he have plans. done it? Would he have done it if it wasn't for the practical considerations? I think he probably still would have. Because no. I think I think from his perspective, maybe it helps that he's got like a bazillion other offspring out there that he can just turn to. Like Cassandra's right there. It's like okay, you're you yeah. know now you're now you're my number one. Um, from his from his perspective, but I st- I think that still. I don't think he would have. I think I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm bringing some of the comics and stuff to it too, because the whole thing with Vandal Savage and Scandal Savage, his daughter that you saw a yes, little bit of in the brief, Suicide yeah. Squad movie, like he does have this weird twisted, like he sees all of humanity, and from a biological perspective, it's it's largely true. Like he sees all of humanity like as his children, and it's his god his his duty to shepherd. And because so much of the Earth's population is probably distantly related to him too, he actually has more of a claim to that title than mm-hmm. really anybody else that's ever lived. Um, but he sees it as his duty to like watch over as like a benevolent and when necessary brutal father figure to the world yep and so and and that is even more true of his many children where he will discipline them he will even kill them when necessary but he always views it as like a tragedy that he's had to do that because he feels like he feels that he has failed them that he couldn't protect them well enough just like he feels like he's failed earth that he couldn't protect earth well enough if something bad happens like some other alien like if he'd lost that invading alien horde he would have felt personally responsible for it he wouldn't be like well i guess i'll go find another planet to rule like a lot of other villains would do you know like he's personally invested in his children and in all the people of earth in a way that is unusual for a villain I think that's what makes him an interesting, different kind of villain, especially on this show, where you could get a scene like this that you wouldn't necessarily get from a lot of other characters. But anyway, we should we should talk about more aspects of the episodes than that. But that episode was interesting because it revealed new shades, mm-hmm. not not just new factual information about his life that's super interesting to the backstory of the history, like all the Starro stuff and Naboo and Darkseid and stuff. Mm-hmm. Not to mention it's the first time we actually hear Darkseid speak on the show and get like more than just a quick little shot of him. Um, but it reveals more about Savage's character. And then you get to the second episode where we see these different vignettes almost, and we get to see Tim and his little team of, I don't know what you want to call them, the, like the junior Batman of America or whatever. He's got mm-hmm. spoiler Arrowhead. I don't know why Arrowhead is, I mean, there's obviously a story there somewhere, but why is Arrowhead, who's presumably Green Arrow's protege, on Tim's 
teenage stealth team in Gotham. I don't know. Um, that, I don't Delegation. Know the reason I don't know. for that. Um, but we see Spoiler and or we see Orphan for the first time. The first time Orphan has ever been yeah. in any sort of film or TV um adaptation yeah. she obviously doesn't say anything but that's not unusual for her and she's very quick to cut things with her sword which is also not unusual for her um and then the the cool scene at the end where we see we see the like representatives of each of the so you got batman robin oracle nightwing calder wonder woman and mcgann mm-hmm. unless i'm missing someone are all representatives of by their count six different teams although we had to do a little back of the envelope weirdness to arrive at six teams. It really only works if Tim's team is its own distinct entity. team and there's two different justices. Or one team, in space if you will. And, Yeah, one in space and one on Earth. This is the only way you get to six teams. I thought that deserved a nod. But they're doing this, I guess, so they can have... I mean, there was the element of plausible deni- deniability that was brought up. Wonder Woman's like, if I'm called before Congress or whatever to testify as to whether the League has broken its UN sanctions, do you expect me to lie? And Batman's like, no, I expect you to avail yourself of your diplomatic immunity and not yes. answer the question. Um <laughs> so I guess it's a large, largely. So then, do you think that Batman's Batman's decision to leave the Justice League and take all the others with him um, was a was a practical move because the league league's hands were being tied by Lex Luthor in the UN? But um, so I, I guess I'm not quite sure how to phrase it. I'm wondering, like, how obviously it's Batman, so obviously it was highly premeditated because he always plans everything out 10 moves in advance. I'm just wondering if that was like, if, if there was, do you think they had this plan? Do you think when he left the league, he's like, okay, I'm going to make it look like I'm leaving the league, but mm-hmm. I'm actually going to continue working with people on the league in secret to do things the league can't do? Or do you think that he formed that plan after he left? Was this all part of the plan and his leaving was really like, I'm leaving, but I'm not really leaving because I'm still going to regularly work with Wonder Woman and Aquaman in addition to my regular Bat people. To oh, coordinate with the bigger, Justice League. Because when he stormed out, he certainly didn't make it seem like he was going to be continuing to coordinate with the Justice League in any official way. He said, he I'm he leaving and he left. New, now yeah. we discover he's coordinating with both of the co-chairs of the Justice League, Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Mm-hmm. He's as involved as he ever was. He's just not showing up to the meetings, basically. Right. And the rest of the Justice League, aside from the two leaders, don't know about it. Which well, is a very that, Batman thing to do. And yeah. so I'm assuming that this was the plan all along. Seems like the it much was. in the same way that we're thrown. I didn't think about it. We're thrown that, in in, medi- in medias res. Deliberate. We're thrown in in medias res to season two, where it looks like Aqualad has become evil, and then we discover later that before the season started, he had hatched this plan with Wally and Artemis and Dick to only make it look like he'd gone evil. I mm-hmm. think something similar is happening here, where the season starts in a shocking way, the Justice League ha- splinters, yep. and then we discover later on that before the season started. They actually had this plan, or some of them did, to only make it look like the Justice League had splintered. It's just a way to let Batman operate more independently and more effectively while continuing to liaise with the League. So I think that's kind of what we're supposed to take away from it. Um, and then we get the third episode. I, I actually was, I actually thought that they might do it and have what turns out to be Ocean Master blow up that house and kill a lot of the spouses and kids. I actually thought that the show might do that. Did you think for a second they were going to do that? Because uh, this show has done things that they but... weren't allowed to do on Cartoon Network. I mean, obviously it goes without saying they would never be allowed to kill babies right. in a huge explosion on Cartoon Network. But they've they've done things so far, many things, including like have Jefferson sleep with Dr. Jace mm-hmm. on the show and then make sexual innuendo about it afterwards that obviously we don't see them <laughs> you know, we don't right. see them in the act, but it's heavily implied in a way that they definitely wouldn't have been able to do on TV. 
So they've been able to do things on the show that it would not, it, it would have surprised me, but it wouldn't have shocked me. Like, and it would have been time. I mean, talk about a total game changer for the show. Well, right? so who, yeah. who would have lived and who would have died? Because all those kids are super famous. So I don't think they would have deliberately. Super famous? As in Or like super powered? Both. The super well, famous, super powered kids, John, the tornado is, twins, would they have died? Is Baby um, John invincible? And I don't Thunder, know. Baby John. They don't. Do they? Um, do they even have powers yet? They, the kids are super fast, but saying, would they like, have known? Would to, they have sacrificed a slew of characters we know will be in the comics? Oh, would the writers? So hold on. Are you asking what whether the characters would they would have, have dared? I, I never thought okay. that they I were. I thought in you were danger. asking would the would the characters would the kids have been able to survive or get out or 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 are you asking whether the writers would actually go so far as to? As to kill them, yeah. I thought that they. I, I thought for they, a while that they were going to. I thought this was going to be like this huge f- shocking moment in the season, like when Artemis was killed, seemingly last season. That the big shock this season is going to be. Oh yeah, all the Justice League's kids uh, are dead. That's different though. Artemis was maybe in the comics. That's fine, but um, with comic book rules being what they are, that's one character. I don't think they would have blown up an entire house full of people we know we're supposed to see later. I on think down that, the line. but there is no supposed to see. So, like, who's to say they they can choose what to adapt and what not to adapt? Like, there's entire. There's entire huge swaths of these character of these teams' rosters and characters that they've completely like we've gone all the way to having like Connor Kent was well, a founding I'm member your of question. The, you yeah. said did I suspect that they would have done it? And my answer to that is no. I think you I were scared. overthinking it though, because you're like, Oh well they have to have Jonathan and Jonathan grow up because we know he becomes Superboy later, but who says that has to happen on this show? Like they've they've changed and omitted a ton of things and this is their own like Calder doesn't even ex- I mean he has they introduced him to the comics, but they created Calder for the show. And now he's like friggin' Aquaman. Like they can change whatever they want. I thought it would have been, I'm not surprised they didn't do it, but I wouldn't have been super surprised had they done it. And maybe there would have been one or two survivors. Like maybe John would have turned out to have been too invulnerable to die. And the tornado twins could have ran out of there or whatever. But I mean, just like a lot of the hero spouses, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, Roy was in there and some of the kids don't have superpowers yet. Or if they do, aren't, aren't superpowered in a way that would allow them to survive something like that. Right. And so I, I don't know, like that would have been, just imagine how, how crazy that would have been. Like that would have rat- really ratcheted up the the stakes of the season. Right. But but even without having done that, I feel like first of all, it was super creepy at the end where Shiva walks in, decapitates. So they they, yeah, they, that was they show crazy. they show beheaded Ocean Master, then they cut to an exterior shot of the house where you can still hear the children's happy mm-hmm. laughter. And then it cuts back to the interior of the other house and the place is scrubbed. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. Shiva's like they were never there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like she just she snapped her fingers, fifteen fifteen League of Shadows cleanup crews came in yep. you know no the interesting thing is first there was a snapback to show all of his equipment all of his stuff and the bloody carpet yeah and then it and cuts then to the it kids cuts and to then the it cuts kids back again and, yeah. and cuts back and shows how scrubbed it is that was really but, beautiful visual storytelling something that i didn't even really put together but is obvious when you think about it is this means that the light knows the secret identities of all the heroes yes because Ocean Master wasn't just like, oh, there's more people showing that's up. He was revelation. like, oh, there's Lois Lane and Superman's kid. Check. Yeah, right? 18 more. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's crazy new information. So does Lex Luthor know who Superman is? Like, he's been on the light since the beginning. If Ocean Master knows who Superman is, Lex Luthor must, right? Like, this yeah. is crazy new information that we've yeah. learned. Um, and then the whole thing with, you know, Lobo coming and attacking the team, that was that was fun and, and action-packed too but i feel like it's and you know like i talked to you about afterwards the whole scene with the kids there i just i, I love that whole play date scene because one yeah. of the things that i love most about the dc universe is how it feels integrated well yeah like piece. all these characters are part of like this big community and it feels like this multi-generational 
sort of weird family, weird family where yeah. I was like, oh, this, you know, like I, like when I tried to tell you about um, the Green way that Arrow? Wonder Wo- the Wonder Woman, Doctor Fate, and Hawkman lineage and Sandman lineages are all tied together because oh, a Golden Age Wonder Woman married Steve Trevor and they had right. their daughter Lyda, mm-hmm. who then married Hector Hall, who was um, Silver Scarab, who was Hawkman and Hawkgirl's son. Mm-hmm. But he later became Sandman and then later became Dr. Fate. And they had a son, Daniel, who later went on to become the current dream of the Endless in Neil mm-hmm. Gaiman's Sandman comics. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the Endless and the Jack Kirby Sandman and Dr. Fate and Wonder Woman and Hawkman and uh, Hawkgirl are all relatives. tied together into one yeah. big family. And that's, like, crazy soap opera stuff. But it's it's the kind of stuff that, you know, makes the whole thing seem – it makes the universe feel lived in. And yep. one of the things that I've always been impressed with about Young Justice, even going back to the first season – was even though we were focusing on these young heroes, the universe felt lived in. Like you felt that this version of Superman, this version of Batman, had had a bunch of adventures already. They'd fought a bunch of their classic foes. They, they, you know, they all knew each other. Mm-hmm. You know, like right there from the beginning, there's already you're already almost ten years into the history of the Justice League, and so they've already I've already had their original Secret Sanctuary base in Mount Justice, but it was compromised and they had to abandon it. And now they've got the Hall of Justice, and you discover all this stuff later, like oh, Snapper Car. Like it's, it hasn't even been um, explicit in the show, although I guess they made it explicit in one episode last week. But it was in the tie-in comics where Snapper Car, the teenage sidekick of the Justice League screwed up and let the Joker into Mount Justice. Yeah. And he terrorized the place, and that's why they had to move, abandon it and move to the Hall of Justice. And it was just thrown off in a one offhanded reference by Snapper last week, where it's like, you know, oh, there was that time I let the Joker into Mount Justice. Yeah, you know, it's like um <laughs> hilarious. But uh but like the fact that so many things like that had already happened when we start season one, episode one, really always made this universe feel lived in in a way that say the new fifty two, um even in the comics, even though there were literally 52 new ongoing series yep. every month that you could read. And so very, very quickly, you had accumulated way more pages of story, more minutes of storytelling yeah. than Young Justice had over its entire first season. Never really felt like a lived-in, fully fleshed-out universe in the way that Young Justice instantly did. Because mm-hmm. everybody was new. Nobody knew each other. There was no history there, you know? Yep. Whereas Young Justice had so much history that they very deftly implied. Or It's like the episode where they introduce um, Dr. Fate, right? Mm-hmm. Ken Nelson. Like, oh, by the way, here's Dr. Fate. He's 100-and-something years old, and he was a member of the Justice Society. It's like... The Justice Society existed in this universe? <laughs> yeah. I guess so. I, you know what I mean? Then yeah. later you see shots of them in World War II and stuff. Um, but it's just, you know, like the fact that all that history is there and the characters just don't talk about it and it only comes up yeah, when required by the story. Knowledge, yeah. yeah. And the fact that now we're at the point where we're seeing like it's a running running joke, you know, amongst the fans and on the podcast and stuff now. Like, oh, there's – so now we've got Damien and we've got John, right? So, you know, season eight. Super yes, Sons. Yes, exactly. And, you know, the Emily on the Young Justice podcast I listened to was like, we really need a spinoff called Younger Justice, where it's about, like, the really, the really young <laughs> that's, heroes. Oh, you know, uh, that's funny. She's a bunch funny. of toddlers. Um, <laughs> well, we've already got the Tornado Twins, who are amazingly awesome. You you squeed when you saw them on uh, on the screen for the first time. That's the first time they were drawn in, in um, car- animated form, I don't think it? that, uh, much like John and Orphan uh-huh. and... Treya, uh, Red Tornado's adopted daughter, yes. and I don't think I don't think Don and Don have ever appeared in anything ever, like not yeah. movies, not TV, not cartoons, not live action, because they never. That's the thing is yeah. that you never get this deep into the catalog, yes, because no other adaptation of these characters sees value has in acute, showing them. Yeah, well, it's not just the value; it's the fact that the with the the fact that the characters age and eight years has passed. 
you start to you can start to delve into the generational aspect of the show in the way that you can't really like if you like in the the old Justice League cartoons or the current movies, mm-hmm. like they don't they're not as interested in showing the passage of time. They either ignore it because if it's a cartoon, you can just ignore the fact that time has passed because everybody basically sounds the same and you can draw them to look the same. Sure. Or if it's movies and you're only getting one or two a year, you're not going to really, you know, do that. I mean, the Marvel movies are maybe now getting to the point where actors are having are retiring from the roles and so maybe they're going to set up like a second Captain America or right. a second Iron Man or something. But that's different than actually having Steve Rogers have a kid and then... Well, it's like Savage Dragon is doing, right? Like when you do years of storytelling in real time or more or less real time, you can have the main character have a kid and then that character takes over the book 20 years later. Yeah. And you can do that in the show. And so other other adaptations of DC Comics haven't gotten to the point where you get Damian Wayne. I guess the animated movies have done that too, but that was literally the first animated movie is, oh, by the way, here's Damian because yeah. they jump in. But you never get to the point where Red Tornado has, a, has his adopted daughter and Barry and Iris marry and have their twins and the twins are growing older. Like Because you would have to either do big time jumps like this show does, or you'd have to be a live action show that runs for years. Now that the point that the CW shows have been on the air for like seven years, you're now getting to the point where it kind of feels a little generational. Like you've got characters taking up older mantles like Black Canary, and you've got, or, you know, now you've got a new Green Arrow, and presumably that won't last very long. And, you know, Oliver has a kid, and Barry has a kid from the future. And you're kind of getting there now, but that's only after seven or eight years of storytelling. So. Yeah. I don't think it's it's often a lack of desire that causes them not to introduce all these new younger characters. I think it's just practically shows don't last long enough or aren't allowed to show the progression of time enough because you can't, you literally, I mean, you guess you could start a new series. I mean, I guess it wouldn't surprise me if they did some cartoon series that was literally Super Sons, yeah. you know, and that was it from the beginning, you know, but if you want to gradually work up to that, you mm-hmm. need to run for multiple seasons and those seasons need to, sh- need to show almost a decade of time passing. Yeah. And they, most of them just don't get there. So, yeah. It, but I, I love that scene because, you know, so I love seeing them all together. I love the fact that these characters just now exist in this universe. Mm-hmm. And who knows, a year or two from now, um, or a season or two from now, who knows how long they'll take to make. But a season or two from now, if the show continues to be renewed, we could actually have characters like this with speaking roles on the show as part of the team. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, if John and Damien are babies... We could be looking at, you know, season eight or something. It's not likely going to be next season unless there's a bigger time jump than ever before, mm-hmm. which they could do, yeah. right? I mean, five, then two, then eight mm-hmm. or something like that is not, it's within, you know, there's yeah. not enough data points to know how big these time jumps are going to be. The next one could be the longest one yet. And we could end up with like 10-year-old, nine or 10-year-old, because John could have been a year old there in that, or, or you know? So yeah. like we could end up with a nine or 10-year-old John who's only supposed to be 10 in the comics until this recent issue of Superman we just talked about. Mm-hmm. So they could do that, and the Tornado Twins could be 11 or 12, and they could be, that's a little young to join the team, but they could have their own, like, little, they could introduce the concept of the Teen Titans into the show, or have, like, a different sort of kids group of, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Like, they could do all sorts of things. But, I don't know. I love that aspect of it. And So here's a question I have that I was thinking about this, because they were having a running gag with the Tornado Twins, where um, Bart, Bart was calling, taking, him kept dad. calling him dad. It was super funny and super cute, and it was hilarious to see him do that. But here's a question. In the season where he first appeared, he stopped, supposedly, the future that made him from happening. And he knew that it was a one-way... Not really, though, right? Well, well the pres- Reach did not take over and right. enslave the planet. Been, well, so, so I'm, I'm splitting hairs. But technically, 
what he did by stopping Reactron, they then cut and at the end of that episode, they cut back to the future and it was still bad, right? Yes. It was There was no Reactron anymore, but it was still controlled by super mus- muscly Blue Beetle and the Reach, right? Yeah. So he didn't stop that. But then at the end of the season, yes, they foiled the Reach invasion. And so presumably the future he came from no longer exists. But when he came back, in t- before he came back in time and started messing with the timeline, Iris was already pregnant. So she was already going to have... Yes, that's kids. fine. She was already going to have kids, so that's nice. I think Don isn't perhaps not destined to have a kid named Bart anymore because the events of 2019 are so different. Exactly, and potentially, and yeah, he might never. He might be like an anomaly or a time remnant or whatever term you want to apply, apply to, it. He, to it. He, we might not not ever see him being born. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, but he still exists because you know the rules of time travel or whatever. Okay. Still... I was just wondering what your thoughts were about it because... Well, comics do that all the time. They have characters come from a possible future that they then avert in whatever the storyline, sure. see X-Men Days of Future Past or a million other things. But then that character, like Cable or whatever, continues to stick around in the X-Men comics even though his future has been averted 15 times because Cable's cool. So, yeah. <laughs> so they have Impulse show up and they avert his... In the comics, it's different though because he didn't come from a bleak future. He came from basically the Legion's future. And right. so he can go back and see his... Legion his buddies. parents and his, his pals in the Legion yeah. and his cousin who's in the Legion anytime he wants. That future still exists. It wasn't averted. The Legion is the definitive future of the DC universe. Sure. So he can go back there anytime he wants. Hmm. Um, so it's a little different here, but yeah. I was just curious yeah. what you thought about it. That's cool. I mean, I think that it's probably going to be one of those things where even though the, even though they avert the dark future... There's still certain things that are going to happen the same way. Like, it doesn't necessarily need to make a lot of logical sense, but you avert the bleak future, but then the people still find a way to, you know, the same people still find each other and still fall in love and have the same kids or whatever. That, you know what I mean? Because that's, sure, that's yeah. a nice, happy way of ending the story, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like we've seen in whatever, you know, I mean, we're Where watching the people that exist get well, we're, the happy we're ending watching they the, deserve. We're sure. watching The Good Place right now. It's yeah. kind of the same thing, you know, like that they don't can... spoil. There are people who have not seen stuff on The Good Place, and we're not. Well, I know, but there's here. there's there's a lot of story or Fringe or whatever where yeah. where people's memories are are altered or things are 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 changed so that certain things didn't happen the same way anymore, but mm-hmm. the people still find a way to to come together because the circumstances are similar enough and the people are still the same people, right? You know, yeah. That, you know, how many different versions of the Superman story of Superman and Lois Lane falling in love, despite the slightly different circumstances of those stories, because they're still the same people in the same Daily Planet office, you know? I know. I was just talking about the insular example of this show within the rules that they have established, like what you thought they thought or planned for... Bart's I don't know. Existing. I don't know if yeah. they thought that through. I mean, I guess it wouldn't surprise me if they thought that through, but are we really going to get, I mean, I know I just said we might An get answer. Damien and Who John knows? as a team in like season seven or something, but are they really going to, are we really going to see Don Allen as like a 25 year old? Like, I mean, how many seasons in the future is that? Like, no, are we going to no, see no, his no, dad no, no, grown up enough to see whether he actually has a kid named Bart? I don't know if we're ever going to get that far no, into the No, I mean, just, no, I didn't think that we'd actually have any storyline in there or definitely not in a linear sense. I was just thinking i mean there there's time travel in between here and there i was just wondering if there'd be any resolution to how bart is still in there like an answer they don't have to elongate the show for i think it's just one of those things where it. you know where they they avert the dark future but then you see the the new good future that's replaced it yeah and all the same people are there they're just happier mm-hmm. and you're like it doesn't make logical sense because the, the events that led up to that future would have been so different that surely those same people wouldn't still all know each other or still exist or whatever but that's always the way they do it like the dark future is averted the nice shiny future happens but all of our all of our future people are still there and it's just they're happier instead of being slaves or whatever that's just usually the way these stories end sure. so i imagine that in their in their minds whether they show that or not 
Um, that's still how they conceive of this as happening. Plus, plus we don't know um, the Reach takeover of Earth. I mean, their plan was for it to happen gradually, right? Mm -hmm. They're slowly going to dumb people down with the Reach strength. They're slowly going to yes, assert control. Yes. So Bart might have been born before the Reach fully enacted their plan and taken over. So his birth might be completely independent of any eventual Reach invasion. Because he was like 16 years old mm -hmm. when we saw him in the future, like Reach invasion style, right? Yeah. So they might have only invaded hardcore like 10 years, 10 years before, before that. that. Yeah. So we don't know. There's too much we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So next week, uh, the next four episodes, and then that'll be it until June. So it'll be a long time to wait for, for I more. I know. I know. I love this show so much. We're probably going to have like a super duper megasode length next week just to talk about the the four shows that we're going to yeah, enjoy. Yeah, plus we have a bunch of our other shows coming back yeah. too, so. Awesome. Yeah, I just got a notice in my inbox. Black Lightning. Black Lightning is up. Yeah, so I'm looking Black Lightning's that. back. They tell us that every week. Yeah. It's especially true this week. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to that too. I'm looking forward to all the things. So if you want to reach out to us, we have an email address, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. Our website is www.smartspodcast.com. On Twitter, we are at smartspodcast. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast. How about a funny sound for us? I don't have one. How about, did you get to the part about the bear? That's good. <laughs> <laughs>